Hello and welcome to PostgreSFM, a weekly show about all things PostgreSQL. I'm Michael, founder of PG Mustard, and this is my co-host Nikolai, founder of Postgres AI. Hey Nikolai, what are we talking about today? Hi Michael, I call this topic no backend, but <laughs> how can we call it else? Like It's about the idea of stop writing application code in Java, Python, Ruby, PHP, doesn't matter, and using only front-end code in your web or mobile app and also only database side code and that's it nothing in between yeah so we had a nice this is another listener suggestion so we had a nice question that was all about good practices to build apis directly in the database and they specifically mentioned postgres understandably Right, right. So I, I described this topic. First of all, I want to apologize that I'm interrupting you constantly. I, I, I will, I cannot promise I, I will stop doing it, but uh, we had a comment in YouTube and I agree. I do it quite often. I, I know this problem. Some people cannot work with me uh, because of it, actually. So, well, I don't mind. So please don't worry. But I will try to improve. I will try. So I described this topic as we 15 or like 20 years ago, it was normal to say that code on clients should be very lightweight. It should be some small HTML and so on. In 2004 or so, plus minus a couple of years, things changed with Web 2.0 when Gmail, Google Maps and other web applications started to write much more code on the client side, right? And then iPhone and Android added even more. So I call it, we live in the era of very thick clients because a lot of code and business logic is coded on the client side in, in running in browser or in mobile app. And this already ate some, it, it, it not ate, like it took some work from backend developers and changed everything. But then the idea why we still have backend code if also SQL is quite powerful today right we have we have we can do a lot we can extract only the data we need from tables we have we can work with very efficiently and actually we we can again store procedures or functions with a lot of logic on database so database can be kind of limited application server itself and also additional thing is json appeared right J JSON is a common format of communication for everyone. And this gives us idea why not eliminate the middle of our three-tier architecture, so keeping only client and database. Some maybe some additional middleware, but very lightweight and not needing constant modification in between. Right. So. so Returning to request of our, our our listeners, it was like how to write REST API on top of database easily, or it can be GraphQL yeah. server. So we want something that will support the development of our applications, client code, and it can be JavaScript, it can be Swift mobile app written in Swift or something else. Right? It's quite natural to think in this direction. Yeah, I think from a simplicity point of view, it makes a lot of sense. And also the a common one I see is a speed of development perspective. If I if we can write the, the client and have the database and not have to write something else, we can get to a version one of our application quite a lot quicker. Also think about the data flow here. For example, we have relational database, of course, we're relational, what else? Even if it's not relational, data can be 
stored in JSON. And relational database, I mean, we, we have very good, strong uh, JSON support in Postgres. For example, we, we store many parts of our data as JSON, and then data flow. If it's some Python or it's some Java uh, application, we translate this data originally in JSON to some object format, right? Some, some objects or arrays or some structures, data structures. And then we translate them uh, and give, uh, give uh, to our uh, client code uh, again in JSON. It feels very strange that this like jumping back and forth. It's called actually data marshalling when we translate too much. So we could take JSON and give JSON, maybe uh, transforming it somehow. Why we, why we should we deal with all those objects and arrays? And people like myself invested a lot of time into writing a lot of code following some object-oriented design patterns. They now regret it because it's good, like it's beautiful in terms of some concept, but practical-wise, it's not that good. And uh, working with JSON and things like React, which define how to work with both structure and uh, what to do with this structure in the same way. It's, it's, it, this, this, these things changed the world already. And the idea of having very light uh, middleware and allow us to focus only on client code, or in, only on database code, it makes sense, in my opinion. Th that's why... Yeah. Yeah, that's why we have Postgres and others. Yeah, it feels like a good time to dive into Postgres. Do you want to give us a little bit of a, a top level on what, what exactly it is and why it's useful? Yeah, sure. Yeah, first time I, I saw it maybe like eight years ago, quite long ago. And I implemented, I, I, I used it in several projects, including a case when a successfully small team of like four Ruby developers were uh, substituted by like, 10 hours of my work per week uh, with same result. So uh, Postgres is uh, an application written in Haskell, which sits uh, next to your Postgres database. It can sit on other hosts and, and of course, like it's stateless. So you can scale it and you can provision more compute nodes. It's like proxy, right? But it allows you to define a structure in database. So of special format that will define automatically what REST API your client code will be, be able to use. So for example, if you have a table, you can quickly define a view in, in special schema. For example, V1, it's our like uh, API version one. You define an updatable view and automatically a client code sees endpoint and can read, insert, select from it. And HTTP methods like get, put, post automatically translate, patch are automatically translated to four DML statements, select, update, insert, delete, we have. So there is a lot of logic for automation, like play with headers, authentication, and so on and so on. It's already very advanced software, actively developed for many years. Uh, version 10, uh, major version 10 is current. So uh, I, couple of last years, I not I'm not following very closely its development, but it's it's advancing constantly. And uh, this is the project behind, for example, Superbase. Superbase is based on Postgres plus Postgres plus several more components. And so this, I, I love this idea. And actually, I already explained why, right? So you can focus. You can say, we have Postgres, 
And for example, we have one Postgres guy or ha half of it, <laughs> like like maybe 20% of a Postgres guy per week. We just need to define our tables and these views and so on. And that's it. We whole team can focus on product development, on client code and go with uh, startup activities, not spending power on API development in the old fashioned way. Right. Yeah. And it's and it's free to use as well, right? So even if you're not using right. something like Superbase, it, it's when I checked it out, it's just plain MIT license, which is awesome. So anybody can very quickly with a Postgres DB as a as a backend fire this up and have a fully working REST API pretty much immediately, right? Right, right. It's also very performant. I remember when I first looked at it, like some things like, for example, you know, no offset rule. Offset is a very yeah. terrible thing. We know we most of us know it, but very quick reminder: using offset with like limit offset is usually a bad idea because if you check the plan, execution plan, you will see that all uh, previous entries were fetched and discarded. Uh, so instead of it, you you should use like how's called pagination, key, set. key key set pagination, key set pagination. I think. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. And by the way, I've learned from Postgres a lot. For example, this term I learned I learned for dealing with Postgres. I also learned about uh, Skitch. I mentioned many times Skitch tool, alternative to Flyway or uh, Liquibase. So the tool to control schema changes and to have schema version control. I also learned from there just reading documentation and uh, chatting with people in Postgres community, which is also not, not huge, but very active and good. So you can have very performant API. So it's written Haskell. Very polished. When ah, when I joined, uh, they had uh, this offset, and uh, I don't remember details, but I, I contributed a little bit to improve uh, how uh, pagination is working and to get rid of suboptimal queries when you have uh, like billions of rows, for example. So right now, Postgres is battle proven on large databases under heavy load. You can use it. However, there are of course cons. We we haven't touch them in this approach we have cons let's let's first think if we mentioned all pros right i think another big pro that people bring up is security so you can define things in the date at the database level and it will inherit those so it's quite nice to have that in one place and to be able to trust the date or to be able to trust postgres in this specific example to handle that so both at the schema level so uh, which objects are exposed to it to the postgres user and I guess at the, the row level, uh, row level security policies, which is something I'd never seen used much until I looked into how, how Superbase were doing things. Right, right. So this approach is an alternative to manual implementation of, of REST API. I think many, maybe most backend developers did it uh, at some point. And had feeling that there is uh, some uh, re repetitive action, like uh, some copy pasting involved, and so on. But and it's performant and secure, and also it's an alternative. Maybe like maybe it also makes sense to think about it as an, an alternative to or ORM, right? Because yeah, for it's sure. also it's also mapping, but there is no objects here. We mapping usually uh, either relational data to JSON or JSON in tables to JSON or a mix of them to JSON. And JSON, of course, is also working with Postgres. I learned about uh, how about JSON manipulation in Postgres. How, like, a lot, a lot. Like, I, I, I was constantly sitting in the JSON part of Postgres documentation because I needed 
And one, it requires some effort to to master JSON skills for Postgres because there are a lot of terms and functions. But once you achieve it, you like it actually because it's very powerful and a lot of freedom. You can combine relational data and JSON and give it to your client code so easily. Like we already discussed this stored procedures and database side coding. And many people, uh, we, and we also mentioned that sometimes you, a few lines in SQL can replace a hundred of lines in Python on Java, right? It, it, can, it can happen easily when we talk about managing data. So we have it here as well, right, in Postgres. This is our approach. We write database side code and we produce JSON and we can consume JSON easily. And th that's why it gives speed of development, actually. Right, because uh, so you'll get rid of all like fat, I would say, in coding. You don't need to think about these object design patterns. You just take raw data, do what you need on database side, and and give JSON very very efficiently in in, in development. Yeah, not. I guess it's not directly related to this subject, but while we're talking about them, I think I'll I'll include links to a lot of the JSON functions. There's a good list in the Postgres docs. It's fun to read, even if you're not planning to use it anytime soon, just to see what is possible. And the other one was, you mentioned the no offset. And I think Marcus Winand deserves a shout yeah. out for all of the work he's doing, publicizing this movement. But he also I think gives out stickers and he, he's got a great page on his modern, yeah, great. He's got a great page on his modern SQL website that I'll link to as well. Just yeah, modern SQL no and use the index luke.com as well. Like I, I like very good. It's like brilliant websites for for those who are interested in relational uh, performance optimization. Also, a few more words about efficiency of development. If you think about all REST APIs, most of them are repeating some logic, and it's natural to use some declarative form to declare new endpoints and so on. Right. So SQL is declarative language. And Postgres can be considered as a declarative way to build REST API, right? Yeah. That's why it's so good also. JSON, declarative way, and a lot of things are automated that most of projects need. Yeah. Enough pros, maybe switch to cons. What do you think? Yeah, for sure. And I, I guess, is it worth saying that a lot of these same benefits could be said of similar projects? Like in the GraphQL space, we have things like right. PostGraphile, Hazura. If it feels for me, I mean, I might be wrong, but logically it's very similar. Right, right. So both open source projects you mentioned and the companies we mentioned Superbase and you mentioned Hasura. The difference is Postgres is like REST API. There are several attempts to build, um, I, I, like it's not my thing, uh, GraphQL, but I, I know a lot of uh, front-end developers love the idea of GraphQL, especially those who work with React and so on. Nice idea, but it's just, I, I, I like experience in, in this area. There were attempts to build ability to uh, create GraphQL APIs uh, on top of REST, but also there is Hasura now. Somehow it's also Haskell. They use Haskell as well. What a coincidence, right? And also very successful. So I, yeah. I like to see these successful projects, but it's interesting that I, I, I'm not an expert in, in history, but I know that there are a couple of projects, parse.com and one more, I forgot the name. One was acquired, parse was acquired by Facebook, another was acquired by PayPal, and they, it was more than 10 years ago, or roughly 10 years ago. And the, the ideas of those 
companies which were both acquired and then sh- shut down somehow. The idea was to provide a service and cloud to mobile application developers to avoid uh, the need to to fill the need to fulfill the need uh, in backend development so this class of projects were, was called or services was called mbas mbas bus mdbus mobile database as a service right so not database as a service like rds but mobile database as a service meaning that a database for mobile app developers i guess Right, so you have not only database, but also some kind of application server equipped with database. And somehow they were closed. I don't know why. Interesting, right? So like this, it looks like Superbase and Hasura are a new wave of of this idea to simplify backend development for those who want to focus only on frontend development. Right, and they are much more successful, and and a lot of users, and we see it. Yeah. And the other big successful one in that space feels like Firebase. I know it's closed source, but it, it feels worth mentioning that the, that has been a success. So it yep. seems likely that these these other ones could be too. Right. So Firebase is no no SQL uh, like key, key value or document store. Yeah. Is yeah uh, on Google Cloud, yep. and it's very successful because, for example, imagine you are an app uh, an app de- uh, mobile app development. You want database but also if something changes in database you want your application to receive the change somehow like automatically probably using like i would implement it using like web sockets for example right so i i pushed the change to my application and this is what firebase offered so it's a fully managed database with this uh, synchronization capability like push the change to client side code and it's it's st- I think it's still successful and Superbase is yeah. positioned as open source alternative to Firebase. It's based on Postgres, Postgres plus additional components. By the way, I'm not sure how it's implemented in detail, but I guess it's based on maybe on lo- logical decoding and web sockets. Maybe one day we should invite them to to de- describe it in detail. Yeah. Right, but it, everything like everything is super successful, especially if you're a small team of some startup and you need to quickly change your your interfaces and check various ideas very fast, and you don't want to keep whole team of Ruby or Java developers constantly. Yeah, but let's Sounds let's good. how about yeah yeah. So sorry, I interrupted you. Sorry. No, that's my. Um, how about some of the downsides? I guess is what you're going to go on to next. Is yeah, that what yeah, you're yeah. Thinking? So. Exactly. So Great if you're a small team, it's good. But, but what if you're a bigger team? I observe cases when even in bigger companies, things like Postgres or Superbase Hasura also work well. I remember some talk about, I don't remember the company exactly, but it was a big company and they decided to stop developing their own APIs. It was REST API originally and a lot of development in-house. And they switched, uh, it was... Uh, one step switch to GraphQL and Hasura, and they liked it so much, so they they talked about it this and how to shift it in a big company. So it definitely makes sense for big companies also to consider this approach. Definitely. But what are downsides? First of all, like maybe not the main, definitely not the main downside is that these somehow these middleware uh, components are written in Haskell. If you want to adjust it, well, Haskell is an interesting language. I would say. I, I tried to contribute there. It was I, maybe something I di- some things I did, but it's definitely you need to some mind shift to to work with Haskell. 
and I have huge respect to people who who like it and continue using it. So this yeah. is probably so is some, it, yeah. it, all I was going to say. It's a functional programming language, and for full disclosure, PG Mustard is written in Closure, so I for full can't, disclosure can't written in Closure, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> full disclosure written closure closure is also it's like also functional language it's it's good yeah. like these languages are great but their adoption is very limited it's they are not super popular compared to yeah. i don't know like go language for example or python and another problem like possible downside is that following this route you will root you will have a tendency to use more database side code and if communication with external, it's this problem, we, we discussed this problem at our, in our episode about stored procedures. If you need to communicate with external world, call some REST a, a, a external API, for example, or to download some binary, for example, a picture and save it. It's not good to consume CPU cycles on your on your primary database. Especially on primary database, exactly. If it's a function which writes to database, it's, it can be only primary. So you consume CPU, which like very limited resource, the most limited resource in any Postgres cluster. This c can be dangerous. And I remember one day I used even uh, PLSH, which I wouldn't recommend uh, for normal use at all, uh, to save a picture. Uh, from Postgres, I had a call, I, like, if they call it, as I remember, maybe still like RPC, so you have post slash RPC slash your function name. And this is a function in Postgres, and it was PLSH function, which is like stored procedure, stored function using bash. And it, it then I had some cool calls there and stored. Uh, so my primary, Postgres primary node, downloaded image and then called some additional small microservice to, it can be S3, for example, you can now call, save it on S3. It's the approach you never should, you never would like to follow unless it's some very rough, quick and dirty prototype of something. It's not be on normal service. Because uh, why? Because uh, CPU on the primary is very limited and you shouldn't do it yeah. at all. And if you're if you're a new listener, welcome. But also, we have a previous episode all about this on stop procedures. Right, right. So this is second cons, uh, second item in our cons list. What what else? Good question. Uh, well, I've got uh, some cons from developers actually on Reddit. I think the first one they said that when this in one of the places where this was shared, when it, I think probably when it first came out, but I didn't check. The top comment on that is thanks. I'm unemployed now. So that's maybe that's a con. Losing developer jobs, could that be considered a downside? Well, yes, maybe, maybe. But also, to balance it, I, I saw, not once, I saw people who say it's not right to, to use SQL for it. SQL is okay, SQL is, is okay language, but uh, I would rather to use my Go or Python or Java for that. Oh, yeah. Uh, by the way, I was definitely joking. I think there's plenty of developer jobs to go around and definitely still more demand than supply. You're touching a very uh, sensitive topic. So, yeah. But uh, so maybe uh, we could say like a new item on the cons list is a lack of libraries probably, right? Because uh, if you use Python or uh, even Go, or, which is newer language, you have so many libraries already written. So you have so huge power to extend your API with additional things. 
for example, if you want machine learning and you you use Django and you decided to to this is by the way when I replaced Ruby developers in that project. Then later I already it was fine, but they they pivoted this company and they then hired Python developers. One of them is my one of my best friends in university. He he told me we are not going to use Postgres anymore. We know Django. We are going to use a lot of machine learning stuff. So we are going to switch from your stuff to Django API development, and we will be using a lot of machine learning. Of course, I could say there is machine learning in Postgres. There is a Medlib with Postgres ML, something new, right? So it's possible, and there is PL Python. You can use a lot of Python code inside Postgres. But I failed there. I mean, I, I not failed. I lost. I lost that battle. Why? I'm not sure, by the way, why. Like they just said, this is what we use. This is easier for us, more convenient. I think generally people do have a bit more familiarity with their backend services that they've got used to than they do with Postgres. So one of the, the downsides is that we are pushing a bit more responsibility and work into the database. So like, for example, around those security things, I wonder if that's part of it, familiarity with how to do that and how to debug things if things go wrong. Oh, debugger. Debugger is a good thing. Yes, IDE and so on. So the same same issues as for stored procedures, we, we covered them in that episode, actually. Yeah, right, right. But if it's a quite simple API, for example, if you have a table, you define a view, as I said, if you just need simple inserts, selects and so on, and some kind of logic related to which... Uh, columns should be available for users. Everything can be done at uh, view level. You don't need a, uh, to write a function and use PGSQL at all for this, right? So in this case, probably like it's good, it's enough, and and it's faster in terms of development. And people should know SQL at, in general. But if you need some advanced logic, maybe you'll have issues. Again, it's possible, but. So it depends. And the constant pros are not very strict to me. Like, for example, if I take some project, I would reevaluate. Am I going to use Postgres one more time? Or I will say, okay, a team of Python developers, you, you do it. So I have personal preference to use Postgres, of course. And at Postgres AI, we use it for our platform as well, by the way. Oh, cool. I didn't realize that. Makes sense. So if if you if we extend something, it's, it's this is written in React and Postgres. That's it. Are there any? This might be a stupid question, but are there any downsides, or is is it is it easy enough to do complex like maybe a quite a, a complex analytical query? Is that easy enough to do? Well, any query can be there. So it can be a view. It can be a stored procedure. Like, but it has to be on the Postgres side rather than. Right, but uh, okay, it should be always yeah. on database side. Queries should be there. It, it, it's not good to load them like our developers do and do everything in memory. So I don't like this approach. It should be in that makes sense. Right. Oh, by the way, I, I think one more item. It won't be very like uh, strictly defined, but one more item to the cons list. It's more like about Postgres, not about Postgres. Lack of tools for asynchronous nature of work with data. We discussed it also several times. So, for example, you want something, but you don't want to do this heavy work right now. You want to schedule it and then return to processing. And this encourages you to implement some, some kind of queue inside database yeah. or to use external uh, queuing mechanism. And there are ways to do it, but it, it 
like from a SQL context, it's slightly more uh, difficult, especially because unfortunately the world of developers lost a very good, in my opinion, tool called PGQ uh, from Skype developed many, many years ago. Unfortunately, humanity lost this quite good dinosaur, I would say. I liked it because of its performance and it was easy to work with. It was good. It had a good performance, some kind of maintenance needed, but much less than for Kafka, for example. And since then, we observe a lot of attempts to reinvent that wheel. And most of them are failing to do it in, in a way that I would be able to use them in large projects. So most of attempt to implement Q in database cannot scale well, unfortunately. But this is maybe another another topic to discuss. So and if you use Postgres, you build API, for example, to save picture or some some call. I would think about how to have a Q mechanism close to it. What would be your Q mechanism? Asynchronous processing. In, in this yeah, case, nice. you, in this case, uh, you will be fine. Because for most languages, of course, we have libraries to work with, like RabbitMQ, Kafka, anything like that. Yeah, good point. Wonderful. Well, I think that's probably a wrap then. Thank you so much, Nikolai. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And see you next week. Yeah, I hope it was helpful. Don't forget to share links and uh, provide new ideas to discuss. Thank you so much. Till next time, bye-bye.